Well, good morning. It's uh, great to see you here this morning. It is a, a wonderful privilege to be able to expound on God's Word as we continue our, our mini-series on the different images that we find of the body of Christ or the church within the letter of the Apostle Paul to the church at Corinth, his first letter. So this morning we're looking at the body of Christ. Now over the past few weeks we have looked at different images, so just to recall some of them, we, we started with the building, the building site, then we moved to the ship, and last week we looked at the farm, and today, of course, the human body. And you would recall that in our series in Genesis, we spoke somewhat of, of the wonder of the human body and how God created us so fearfully and wonderfully made. The church is also here spoken of as a body, a spiritual body of which Christ is the head. That position is, is not up for debate. Now both the physical body and the spiritual body have the same design features because they're made from the same manufacturer, God. Therefore, it is entirely appropriate for, for Paul to draw parallels in his teaching from the physical realm and give them spiritual significance or spiritual applications to this troubled church, the church at Corinth. Now, in the first part of chapter 12 of 1 Corinthians, Paul talks about all having spiritual gifts that are given to us by the Holy Spirit. These gifts are to be used within the church for the glory of God and for the growth of his kingdom. The problem at Corinth was that instead of working together as, as a unit, they were all pulling in different directions. They were literally tearing each other apart. So the situation he was addressing was quite challenging. And as we've spoken before, the, the fact that this church was situated at Corinth didn't help the overall situation. Corinth was a melting pot of ideas and alternative lifestyles. Far from, bring, from Corinth being this small village town in the middle of nowhere, it was a cosmopolitan urban city and their diversity came from their race. Paul mentioned Jew or Gentile, their social economic status, whether they were slave or free, also mentioned. But there were other things that Paul didn't highlight here, but he mentions in other places in, in his epistles. Gender issues, the gender differences, male female or today will be miscellaneous. Uh, different allegiances, Paul or Apollos or Benny Hinn. Different citizenships, different spiritual gifts. All of these things just added up to this ugly mess. So Paul writes this very long letter and then another one 
And here he uses the analogy of of the human body to talk about the spiritual body, the church, the body of Christ. It is a sacred body. It is a holy body. It is a temple of the living God. That's why it's it's more than just a, a pretty picture. And this is the, I believe, this is the most well-known picture of what the church is about. So, let us see if we can cover some areas in this chapter. We won't cover everything because of, you saw how, how long it is. So, let, let us see if we can highlight some things. The first thing I want to say is something, something in common, something in common, verse 12. The body is a unit, though it is made up of many parts, and though all its parts are many, they form one body. So it is with Christ. When he tells us that the body is a unit, he tells us that it is one working structure with individual parts. It's a bit like the body, obviously, your car, any electrical item that you might have in your home has all these different parts, but they all seem to be working together. When something goes wrong, you call the serviceman or whoever it is and they said, oh, the motor's gone or the filter is blocked or whatever it is. Each part of your body has something in common with the rest, each part. And that something is what makes you the working you, the working body, who you are. At a basic physical level, you are the sum of the many parts that work in unison to give you your appearance, your personality, your character, your talents, your physical abilities, your physical being. And the common physical thread is within each cell within your body is called the DNA. That is, this, this DNA is found on every single cell and the billions of cells within your body, there is a common thread within each one of them. It's like a barcode when you go to the shops. And from your largest bone to, your, to the single strand of hair, it says, this is Paul Mosichel. This is Andy. This is Andrew. This is who you are amongst the seven and a half billion people on earth. That is uniquely, physically uniquely you. Irrespective of race or gender or nationality or colour of your skin, we are fearfully and wonderfully made by our Creator. Now, while the DNA is common in every cell, each one of them knows that they are part of it and if something else from outside comes in, it is rejected because it is part of a foreign matter. That's the idea of of being part of this working unit called the body. Now, many look at the church from a purely 
physical or scientific level. Sociologists simply, uh, sociology is a study of how people work together and, and in society at large, how they come together. Sociologists simply see a bunch of people that would come in here and just see a bunch of people sharing a common interest. But they would say that you all come here just out of self-interest or a deep need within yourself that you couldn't find anywhere else. That's, that's the reason you've come together. Yet, it's hard, we're hard-pressed to see a community of oneness wherever we turn in our world. No matter what the diversity manuals are saying these days, we are a fractured society. Despite the wonderful ideals of the Commonwealth and the United Nations and the trading blocks that everybody seems to be getting together or pulling out of and all of that, the world has never been so fractured as it is now. Why? Because, at the, because of our fallen nature, obviously, that's, that's the biggest problem, but humans need a, a driving motivation to, to live in oneness. We saw in Genesis that let us come together and build this tower, this, this structure, so that we won't be spread around. So they, they, they had the motivation was to big building project, to defy God's orders and to defy heaven itself. Now, if you don't have that motivation, then people tend to cluster around according to their kinds, according to their beliefs and traditions, according to their economic status. So in Vaucluse, there's this little colony of the mega, mega, mega rich, while in other places, you know, the economically challenged are gathered. In some parts of Sydney, we see more, more of the Asian community and, and others who migrated, the immigrants. And then certain parts of Australia or even within Sydney you have, oh, that's, that's where all the Aussies are gathering, all the white Anglo-Saxons. That's where they gather. You know? and, and we have names for all of that. That's what it says, no, no, there's, there's not that kind. We want to get, get to that area because that's the, the kind of people that we want to hang around with we want our kids to grow up with. It's a good area. That's our way, that's where we function. Is that good or bad? Is that the way that the church should be? Unfortunately, the church can also get hung up and distracted on the at the sociology level. And there are many practitioners of church planting and everything else who have followed this through and it's, there are a lot of papers written about the homogenous unit system that says that people tend to worship with people of their own kind. So there is a church for the old, there's a church for the young, there's a church for the married and the, the young families. There's a church for the surfers. There's a church for the workers. 
There's the inner city church, and there's the conservative fundamentalist church out at Liverpool. Not all of that. We all get branded in one way or another. And yet the very word church in the original Greek is ecclesia, which means, in Spanish we say iglesia, in Greek it's ecclesia, which means, and get this, it means called out ones. That's what it means, called out ones. Called out from what? Called by Christ out of the world. Living in the world, but out of the world. That means that we are not to follow the patterns and behaviours and the same motivations of this world. This is not a sociological experiment. We know the natural tendency is to be attracted of those who are like us. But in Christ we are to break that. We are to fight that. This is the body of Christ that has the, a focal point. Jesus Christ, not us. We are not here for us. We are here for him. We do not go to a temple. We are the temple of the living Christ and we take the temple with us wherever we go. The veil was torn. Christ is living with us. This is the holy temple. And when we come together, we are a body of believers giving glory to the living God together in worship. Now remember... Just because you physically attend this church or any other church for that matter, that doesn't make you a part of the church. Sociologically, yes, but spiritually, no. In the same way that just because you go to watch a soccer game doesn't make you a soccer player, you are a spectator. So, if you have never accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Saviour, never surrendered your life to him, you are not part of the body of Jesus Christ. For all intensive purposes, you are simply a spectator. You can be part of the community, but you cannot be part of the spiritual body of Christ. So at the very basic foundational level, if you have never given your life to Christ, you need to get this right. You need to get this right. You need to sort that out. Surrender your life to Jesus. The Holy Spirit will come into your life and start the whole process of sanctification. something much greater that you can even understand, that we can see with our own eyes, 
is what happens within us. As we've said before, that which is physical is fading, it's finishing, but that which is spiritual will be renewed and perfected through the power of the Holy Spirit. So if you are in that position, I would encourage you to to talk to us and, and, and seek help Come, come to Christ. That is, that is the most important decision that you will ever make, not just for here but for eternity. I'm not even exaggerating. Secondly, something different. Verse 14. Now the body is, is not made up of one part but of many. Something similar, something different. It is incredible to think that this DNA we spoke of is is unique to you amongst all the seven billion other humans. It is incredible when you think about that, isn't it? Yet within your body, the diversity of something is beyond debate. The diversity within your body is beyond debate because you can confirm this by mere observation. No Two parts of your body are, are identical. Not only are, are your hands, you know, your hands might look the same, but they are different. Your right hand is different to your left hand. Each member and organ is uniquely equipped to perform different tasks. One produces, another one filters, another one pumps. Another one sends the information to all the different parts of the body. We have ears that hear, eyes that see, feet that walk. When was the last time you said, boy, I wish I could see with my toes or smell with my ears? You just don't do that. It's not necessary because there's another organ that does that. And diversity isn't just an accident you know, this accidental attribute of your, of your body, it's all part of this beautiful design. So that this body is not made up of a whole bunch of feet, as big as my feet are, it's, I'm not just all feet. Or hands, or eyes, or ears. Instead of, it's made of a combination of all of these things. See, even though God insists on unity, he complicates, he certainly complicates the matter by insisting on diversity. He loves colours. He loves all the tribes and nations which are all his production. That's the way he has made us. That is why he repeats the principle throughout these verses. As it is, There are many parts, but one body. That's verse 20. And and you all, too, you know, too often, all of us, what we tend to do is we try to make every member of the body to be looking alike or to dress alike, to think alike, have the same haircut, read the same translation of the Bible, enjoy the same type of music, 
or even raising our children the same way. I want us to understand this truth, that God didn't make us identical at the first birth and I don't think he intended to make us identical at the second birth. That was never his intention. Point three, working together, verse 27. Now you are the body of Christ and each one of you is a part of it, working together. To be different and yet united at the same time is something that our physical body does quite well. I can be scratching my head with my hand and walking across the street with my feet. I could be chewing gum and doing that at the same time as I'm walking. That is incredible. I marvel at that. You know, I I could be looking left or right at the traffic, using my ears to try and hear the noise that is around. But just transfer. Transferring, transferring all, all those same principles to, to the way that the church works, it's easier said than done. It, it's, there are issues that, that we need to overcome. The most difficult one is, of course, our ego, our sense of self-importance, self-interest. That, that is the point of verse 21 where, where Paul has these eyes talking to the hand. I don't need you. Who are you to tell me what to do, basically? Verse 21. So the hand can respond and say, is that so? So if, if we go on strike, Harry and Larry, if we go on strike, who's the, who's the one who's going to clean the dust from your eyes, from the eyes? Right? And when you're feeling sad, who's the one that's going to wipe your tears? Right. See, we face this amazing paradox of being so dramatically different from one another, yet we are thrust here together with the highest of expectations to get along and work together to preserve the unity of the body. For this reason, the secret to keeping the body of Jesus Christ that we know as Liverpool Baptist is that we must work together for the same goal, always. And that goal obviously has to start with giving God the glory in all that we do. It means less of us, more of him. It means less law, more grace, less individualism, more cooperation, less taking, more giving, Less judgment, more forgiving. All of those things, and I could go on. You're getting the idea. You might all remember the piece which goes like this. I've I've read it before. It goes like this. It says, I know that all of you were saddened this week to hear of the death of one of our church's most valuable members. His name was someone else. Someone's passing created a vacancy that will be very difficult to fill at this time. Else has been with us for many, many years. When you came to church, someone else was up the front or sitting next to you. 
Someone else did far more than the normal person's share of the work. Whenever leadership was mentioned at meetings, this wonderful person was looked for inspiration as well as results. Someone else can work with that group, someone muttered. Whenever there was a job to do, a class to teach or a meeting to attend, their name was on everyone's lips. Let someone else do it. No one actually knew how old someone else was, but he was really old. So old that, in fact, his name was first suggested by Moses at the burning bush when he said, Lord, please send someone else. That's how old he is. It was also common knowledge that someone else was among the largest givers in the church. Whenever there was a financial need, everyone just assumed that someone else would cover it. Someone else was such a wonderful person, sometimes appearing superhuman. He wore a cape. But a person can only do so much. Where the truth be known, everyone just expected too much of someone else. And now, my friends, now that someone else is gone and we wonder what we are going to do. Someone else left a, a wonderful example to follow Who is going to follow it? Who is going to do the things that someone else did? Just remember this, that we can't depend on someone else anymore. This is the reason why we need each other in the body of Christ. No matter how large or small your contribution how significant, how out there or visual it is or how incognito, in the silence, out of the public eye it is. There is no gift or no act of service that is so small that it cannot benefit the health of the whole body because we're doing it for the one, the one that really matters, God himself. Fourthly, for the common good, verses 25 to 26. For the common good. So that there should be no division in the body, but that each part should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honoured, every part rejoices with it. A division is, is another The original language simply means a a schism or a split. And a division in the physical body is a very real health concern. Whether it is an organ that stops functioning or an eye or a kidney that struggles to pump out as much as it once did because of disease or a limb that refuses to respond because of the signals from the brain are simply not reaching it. That's called paralysis or or a cluster of cells that, that go rebelling against the rest of the body. That is called a cancer. 
in some cases, operation, obviously, to, to try and, and mitigate the, the, the damage to the rest of, of the body so it doesn't spread. In more severe cases, amputations are in order to save the rest of the body. In each case, the rest of the body knows and feels the pain of that particular problem. So what happens when parts of the body of Christ are doing their own thing? Well, it's not normal. It's not what God wants. Yes, it is a big, big problem today. We can get access to the best preachers, the best videos, the best Christian entertainment from all parts of the world. If it is simply information or education or teaching that you are seeking when you come together, then there are millions of people who can do it much better than me or Andrew. So the, the, the dynamic of, of, of getting out of, bed, out of bed, the motivation to get out of bed and, and, and come and, and be part of this body of Christ has to be strong. It has to be real. Because yes, you, you can turn on your television and go on your computer and, and you can do this and, and do that and sing and, and pray and do all of that stuff at home. yet something very special happens when we come together. To be on fire for Christ, we need to come where the source of the fire is. Where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am. And unfortunately many times even the gathering is not what was originally intended from the things that we see here in the teaching of Corinthians. You can go to a church these days pretty much in the same way that you go to a concert. You go there, to, you choose which, which presentation you want, you can go there for the hour, you can worship, or you can call it worship, with three, four, five thousand people and come in the very much the same way that you go and watch a basketball game or a concert and everything else, there is really no difference. And that is a very challenging thing today. Because it, it, that, to me that departs from what is intended, what, what the body of Christ should, should really work towards. If you want to grow as an individual part of the body of Christ, you need to come, you need to be involved, you need to want to grow, you need to want to serve, to give, to receive, and to really be committed to this. But what happens when a little part of your physical body gets hurt you know, like when you hit your little baby toe against the chair. I do it all the time. Uh, just thinking about this, actually several things happen all at once. 
your mind and your brain registers the pain. Tears come to your eyes. You grab your toe with one hand and you start to jump up and down with the other foot. Maybe some unholy words come from your mouth, totally dependent on your spiritual condition at the time. Once your tears stop flowing from your eyes, you can see a little bit clearer and make a visual inspection of the damage done to your little toe. What happened? It's, it's little toe is just this, you know, let's face it, it's not the prettiest part of our body. That it's not the, you spend a lot of time making it look nice. Sorry, girls. But it's just, it's just, It's this really small, insignificant part of your body that was hurt. But all these other parts of the body just came together, became immediately involved, probably no fault of their own. Why did you go and do that for? In an attempt to cope, to soothe, to alleviate the pain because now the rest of the body is involved. The body of Christ hurts when any part of the body of Christ hurts. It is for the rest of us, the body of Christ, to come together to lessen the pain. It may be the hurt that comes with the death of a loved one. It may be some family issue, a job, struggle with children, with elderly parents. It may be that someone has fallen into temptations and in need of to be lovingly restored to the body. Yes, we can all look at someone else and say, well, they can look at them and someone else can do that and someone else and the pastor, why is he there? Or the board or the, the deacons. I'm begging you to stop looking for someone else and seeing how can Christ use me in this situation? How can I serve? What can I do? In conclusion, from the moment of creation, God put a plan into motion. It began with the creation of a perfect world and the perfect body into which God breathed the breath of life so that Adam became a living human being. With the, because of the fall, the second Adam, Jesus, came into the world to bring us back to God. And shortly after he returned to the Father, on the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit came down to, to permanently indwell, to, to breathe life into believers the breath of the Holy Spirit and the church, the body of Christ was born to be spread throughout the world with this glorious message of the gospel. It seems that every other religion or every other faith follows someone who is dead and yet our Lord is alive. We serve the living God who continues to breathe life into his sons and daughters, into his church.
We are the bride of Christ. There's another image for you. And one day there will be a wedding, there will be a party for the ages, for eternity. For now, we have this body called the church. Something in common, something different, but called to work together for the common good and giving glory to God as we minister in his name. May God bless us.